Welcome to the ValeoCon podcast series. We're very excited today to have our friends from Cresco Partners, Corey Seitz and Mike Motion, to join us for a conversation on the power of collaboration and the role of leadership teams. So, Corey and Mike, why don't you introduce yourselves to our listeners? Sure, so it's Corey Seitz. And I just quickly formally trained as an industrial organizational psychologist, but spent my 25, 27-year career in large corporations, and then the last 10 years have been intensely working with teams and leaders to help their development. Good. And I'm Mike Mosier. Grew up in the pharmaceutical industry, 22 or 23 years in pharma. Worked a lot of different functions, marketing, sales, human resources in the U.S., overseas in Basel, Switzerland, and I'm happy to be here today. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about your background and experience in working with leadership teams. So we started doing this work together you know, nine or ten years ago, and we're working with about 30, 35 leadership teams a year across all sorts of industries and geographies. That work typically shows up in terms of helping teams perform better together, but also a fair amount of leadership development in there as well. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say. In our work, we really see this integration of great leaders and great teams, and that's why we've chosen those two areas to focus this phase of our career work on, because we see them being totally integrated to make us for a successful organization. Good. So what are some of the typical challenges you see most leadership teams struggle with? I would say one of the biggest ones that we run across is, is frankly, candor, actually being direct straight with each other. Yeah, I think for great reasons, right? As human beings, we don't necessarily want to deliver bad news or tough feedback, but we've seen that the inability to do that really slows a leadership team down. So it's not about being nice ends up really making things go very, very slowly because it takes us so long to get to the heart of the issue. So that's one of the key things that we've seen teams struggle with greatly. Yeah, and I mean, related to that, just handling conflict together. So candor and, and being straight with each other is one thing, but the ability to raise the tough issues and sort of work through them together successfully and quickly is really challenging for teams, right? So a lot of the groups that we're working with were really focused on deepening the trust in the relationships so that they're comfortable being straight with each other and handling the tough issues together, accelerating the process, you know? Yeah, and I guess I would say too, just the area of decision-making, teams really struggle with that. Many times they, they don't really have any kind of yeah, agreed approach to how they're going to take decisions, or frankly, what are the decisions that need to come to the leadership team. And when, when those two things are missing, which they often are, it's tough for teams to take decisions, right? So one team member will go directly to the leader and get a decision taken in 10 minutes, and someone else has got to bring it to the leadership team, and it takes two days, and it just creates a lot of frustration and dysfunction on the team. And by the way, we don't see those three things as necessarily being unrelated. They all kind of tend to mingle together as well. Do you see that as a function of the business situation they're in or completely independent? What I mean is it could be a turnaround situation for a team there and could be a growth phase therein and you still have the same topics or is it a bit driven by the business that they are leading? Yeah, I think are less so, you know, driven by the topic or the challenge that they have. I think what we're noticing across these leadership teams pretty universally is that the ones that resolve conflicts most effectively 
and the ones that make decisions most quickly tend to be the most effective. And I don't think that that's industry specific or business challenge specific. It's just the dynamics of how leadership teams work. What are some of the other key drivers that make teams effective? So one is speed of decision making. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of things that we see, and I think it starts with real alignment on the team. And when I say alignment, we think of, has this team really talked about and agreed on their purpose as a leadership team? So what do I mean by that? Purpose for a leadership team could be any number of things. You know, they could decide that as a leadership team, we're the, the strategy and the, the vision team. Great, that's a good purpose for the leadership team. Some leadership teams declare their purpose is very operational, to run the business, get results, deliver against the milestones. Some leadership team purpose might be the talent agenda. You know, we come together to drive the talent agenda, to build the talent pipeline. That's what we do when we're together. And so one thing that's critical for their success is to get clear and aligned on what is their purpose. What are they doing together? Once they get there, though, there's an important conversation around priorities. Not each individual's priorities, but as a leadership team, what are the two or three things that we've got to deliver together for the next 12 months? What's non-negotiable? What must we be successful on together? And really getting sort of alignment and agreement on our purpose and our top two or three priorities sets the team off on a good course. And then you start working on the behaviors in the team. How are we going to interact? How do we want to work together? How are we going to hold each other accountable? But I think it all starts with alignment on purpose and priorities. And it seems so obvious, right? But your observation is that if you ask 10 people in a team, you get 10 different answers on what's our purpose and what are our priorities? Yes, that's very interesting because one of the things that we do when we work with the team is we interview the members of the team before we bring them all together. And we find that when we ask that simple question, you typically get 10 different answers or various versions. Of what's the purpose of the team? Why are we even bringing this team together? And then it gets even more diverse when we say, and what are the priorities of the team? Because the tendency is to talk about my priorities. And then we'll say, no, 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 we mean what are the priorities of that team? And usually people see it through their lens often, right, when we first start working with the team. How do you work with them? So you mentioned you start off doing interviews, but maybe like walk our listeners a little bit through how you approach the work. Yeah, you know, what we've learned in the last decade is that this work is not one and done. You know, there's no event that in a day or two you're going to create a high-performing team. It's not that easy. If it was, everyone would do it. And so we really think about the process of developing this team over time. So you develop the leadership team in the same way that you develop an individual over time. You have a plan, you execute against the plan. So our approach with leadership teams is to think about this as a process of growing and developing the team over time, so it's sustainable. And a couple of things that we will typically do, as Corey mentioned, we'll interview the group before the meeting. We always use data, you know, so some weeks prior to the engagement, we'll put the team through an assessment and get some data on the team's effectiveness that we use in the session. But think of these meetings as a series of critical conversations to get the team aligned. Not academic at all, very pragmatic approach to get them in a room talking about the issues that are most important for the success of the team. And so typically we will work with the team the first time, help them get aligned by day two or really into the action. You know, we hit an inflection point, we talk about what are you guys committed to going forward? What's the plan? What actions are you going to deliver together? So day one, a lot of discussion to get alignment. 
day two is all about action and accountability. And then we'll come back and work with the team a couple months later, really to do two things. One is to hold them accountable, right? They make commitments both individually and as a group. Three or four months later, we'll come back to hold them accountable for those commitments and see how they're doing, and then to raise the bar on them again. So we would typically work with a leadership team three times over the course of about a year. So it's a sustainable process that includes behavior changes and results in a high-performing team that can function really effectively going forward. It'd be a typical approach for us. Do you ever run into the situation where, you know, you do the first workshop and people are very energized about it and then you come back at the second workshop and it turns out things haven't gone so well and it happens to be that the leader is part of the problem. How do you deal with those issues? Sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, one of the things that we've seen is we'll actually have the team rate themselves in the first session that we're together with them. And believe it or not, some teams in the second session will actually come back and rate themselves worse than they did originally, which is, in our mind, it's not a result of dysfunction. It's rather a result of, oh my gosh, now we realize what good actually looks like. And this is demanding on the team, but to your point, it's also really demanding on the leader too. And this is a session that leaders should come into with their eyes wide open. It's not easy for the leader. You know, the most effective leadership behaviors we see around this is openness, openness to feedback, openness to change. And it will, I think, grow the individual leaders as much as it grows the team. So absolutely, right? You know, it's not one or the other, it's both of those together. So it's quite common actually. Mm -hmm. And what do you see as outcomes? I mean, so you start engaging with a team, you work with them over a couple of sessions. Yeah, I think there's two or three things that come to mind. You know, the first outcome would be this idea of really building tight alignment around that purpose and priorities. So as a leadership team, we agree on how we're going to operate, and we agree on what are the priorities we're going after together. I think that's a really big, important outcome first time we work with a team. The second one, you know, that comes to mind is this idea of joint accountability for success. Meaning we are all in this together. No longer is this a series of seven silo managers trying to deliver their objectives, but there's a sense of joint accountability for delivering this business together, which is a very different change in behavior. And I think it's a really important outcome. Now you've got the whole leadership team, seven, eight, 10 people working together to deliver top priorities, and there's an accountability amongst them. The third thing that happens throughout the course of this high-performance team process is building really effective partnerships amongst the team. And when we say partnerships amongst the leadership team, it's not about creating harmony. It's not about making things easy. It's about peers that hold each other accountable, peers that are comfortable having challenging discussions together, peers that are supporting each other in a really effective way. And so this idea of leadership team members partnering together, both for difficult conversations and the easy ones, and sort of working together as a unit going forward. So I'd say those three things, alignment on purpose and priorities, effective partnerships, and this idea of joint accountability for success are some of the outcomes we see pretty regularly. I guess the one thing I'd add to that, but we can't measure it, right? But we've seen as an outcome of our work that this actually creates a positive energy deeper into the organization, okay? When that team is working well, the people in the organization that are reporting into them also benefit from that, that positive energy.
going to the dark side, they've seen the dysfunction of those people that are lower in the organization. And a lot of leadership teams think it's not visible, but of course it's visible. If there's dysfunction at the top, it really cascades and becomes even more dysfunctional as it goes into the organization. On the positive side, if that leadership team's working well, yeah, it's, it's more energizing for the rest of the organization, but it also creates a positive dynamic of, oh, that's how a leadership team works. This team is comfortable being candid. This team resolves issues effectively. It has a big impact on the organization. And I guess teams also like the different scenarios. So one is a new leader comes in and works with you to build a new leadership team versus an established leadership team that's has challenges or is no longer effective. How difficult is it to get a team with like a longer history of dysfunction to overcome that history? Is it possible? If so, what distinguishes the work between those two scenarios? Yeah, well, it is possible, but it's not easy. And I think when we work with teams that are struggling, what you call the dysfunctional team, a lot of times it's about the relationships in the room. And so part of this work is about really deepening relationships and building trust which is not an easy thing to do, you know? And so some of the things that we're doing, you know, with leadership teams to do that, a lot of it revolves around feedback and getting peers comfortable having conversations with each other and giving feedback to each other, done in the spirit of helping each other grow, not done in the spirit of taking a swing at each other, but really to help each other grow. And so there's a variety of things that we do with teams, as you mentioned, that are struggling to really deepen the relationships and start to build trust. and. I think it all starts there. And when those relationships start to grow, you build alignment around the business and you start to move in the right direction. If the relationships are broken, it's very challenging, right? It's very challenging to get these teams to work well together. So it starts with deepening trust. So I could imagine that probably a lot of the themes and topics you're working on haven't really changed over the years of practice, right? So it's the same, it's candor, it's trust, it's feedback. A lot of those building blocks are really unchanged. But I'd be curious in your reflection as to, in today's world where things outside where the organizations increasingly need to deal with a multitude of changes where everything gets faster, digitization, it's no longer that you have time to work on a challenge for a year or a year and a half. In this time of accelerated business cycles, how do you see leadership teams adapting to that? So I see it happening on two levels. The first level is on the individual leader level, right? Things are moving so much faster. And in my mind, there's a couple of things that are becoming more and more important for leaders. One is authenticity. So being really clear as an individual, what's your purpose as a leader and how are you gonna effectively work through that and leading that way. Because frankly, there's not time anymore for people to manage their image. Never really worked. It even works more poorly now than it did before. And then the second piece is, on an individual leadership standpoint, it's active learning. It's you know becoming more and more agile. Because if you're not an active learner, if you can't adapt quickly, you just can't be effective anymore. So I think that's really important for the team. In my mind, it goes back to speed. It goes back to you know some of the other basic building blocks we've talked about. Because if the team's not candid, if the team doesn't deal well with conflict, it's just too darn slow. And nobody's waiting for them to take decisions. Nobody's waiting for the team, you know, inside the organization or outside the organization. So I think those are the major factors that are becoming more and more important. You know? Yeah, I think the, the challenge is to find accelerants. You know, what can we do to accelerate this team process? And I, I think Corey's dead right. A lot of times what we see that slows organizations down 
is the ability to resolve conflict. You know, some teams are just uncomfortable with conflict. They're uncomfortable having difficult discussions and they swirl around issues. They have to have follow-up meetings. There's an email trail. It's just too darn slow. And so things like becoming really effective at resolving conflict, becoming real clear on how we take decisions as a leadership team are accelerants. You know, and if you can get a team to sort of build that discipline into their model, they become quicker together, more adaptable to change, quicker to make decisions, quicker to move. So, yeah. I guess it also goes back to a little bit the theme of collaboration. I would imagine in some industries or businesses you can work in a quiet siloed manner, right? And people have can execute within there decidable, but I think if the work itself requires a very high degree of collaboration, that puts more burden on the leadership team to work effectively together. It does. You know, we think about these leadership teams. Gone are the days when you show up at the team just to represent your silo. You know, if all you're doing is representing your silo, you don't need a team, right? Just talk to your boss and let them know that your silo's in good order. When a leadership team comes together, you put your silo aside, and you put on your enterprise hat and you run the business together. So we don't believe in leadership teams that come together to report out on how their silo's doing. We believe in leadership teams that come together to run the business together. We're a project team that comes together to run the project together. And so it's a very different mindset for team members, right? They're now part of something larger. They're now accountable to their peers. They're now expected to support and to challenge their peers. And this is a really different behavior. For some, quite a refreshing way to work together, and for others, it's quite challenging. Do you look at incentive structure then as well? Because ultimately, you know, one thing is changing behaviors, but the other one is rewarding. There's new behaviors also incentivized. Well, it's an interesting question because most organizations and most incentive schemes are built on old behaviors that actually contradict this sort of collaboration mindset. You know, many of us have been incentivized on delivering our individual objectives, delivering our individual results. And so most organizations have an infrastructure that actually undermines collaboration, right? And so I do think that for the best organizations that we work with, the most dynamic groups, they're starting to take a look at the systems to figure out how can we put stuff in place that actually encourages cross-functional, cross-organization collaboration as opposed to undermining it. But I have to say there's not a lot of organizations who've gotten there yet. Brings to mind for me one of the things that we do with teams is actually have them put together a 12 to 18 month plan to develop the team. And we offer up to them best practices that we've seen, you know, literally like menu that they can choose from. We have about 50 items or whatever we cherry pick from great leaders and what we've seen them doing. And one area is around, you know, how do we want to be incented going forward? How do we want to do that? And a lot of teams smartly gravitate towards, boy, we might want to think differently about how we're going to do that. Yeah, one of the more progressive ideas that we're seeing more and more on teams, particularly leadership teams, is peers having input to the performance and the payment of their peers. So instead of getting incentivized for the work you deliver in your silo, you're rather going to get incentivized on how your peers think you contributed to the leadership team, which is a completely different way of working together and changes behavior as well along the way. So there are ways to put incentives or reward or recognition in place that reinforces collaboration. It's challenging, it is. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Corey and Mike 
for sharing your insights on leadership team effectiveness and, and what are the factors that help teams become more effective. Thank you so much for participating in the podcast. Thanks, Thanks for having us. It's our pleasure. Thank Appreciate you. it.